When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The first Sunday of NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1, that's $1, on any football game this weekend and received $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. So that's right. DraftKings is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 in any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit, withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. Taylor, no new Sabres news other than the signings of Casey Middlestat and Henry Yoki Haru, which I don't want to say we called, but like we kind of called a little bit on our last episode. We coaxed them into it. We really did. We put the pressure on and said, both of these guys should probably get three-year deals. And they said, you know what? We're going to do this. You know, a lot of people are saying these days that the stuff that we talk about on Straight Up Sabres is really going directly to the Sabres front office. And so, I mean, the writing's on the wall that, like, we're probably going to get hired by the team soon. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Oh, man. Well, if, if, if that's true, let's throw out something real quick we want them to do. Mm, don't screw up the Jack Eichel trade. Yeah, all right. That's good advice. I'm going to say... Hmm. I'll expand on this a different time, but, and it's more, it's more, not just Kevin Adams. It's more so Pagula and all that retire Bob McAdoo's number. I love that. Agreed. That definitely. Yeah. It was a hall of famer that played a majority of his career here and won an MVP here. And we don't have any proof that that happened. Mm-hmm. Obviously he didn't play at the key bank center, but you know, Still, it should be, that absolutely should be a thing. Yeah. All right. Well, but we, there is some news in the hockey world. There is. Would you like to get into it? Yeah, uh, the NHL uh, is officially going to let players go to the Olympics. This is kind of a contentious thing 
last time around they weren't allowed to because the NHL couldn't come to an agreement with the IOC. Say both parties were kind of at fault there. But we love watching NHL players at the Olympics, and the NHL built in an Olympic break uh, as part of the uh, the CBA they hammered out during the, the pandemic. They were going to quote unquote do everything possible to make sure players could go. So that was kind of vague, mm-hmm. but yeah. So it's good to know that they actually are going to go, uh, and it's coming up. I know the Olympics just ended, but we got a new one coming up in, in what is it? Five months now? About five five and a half months? Close. Yeah, February. Yeah. So got to start thinking about that. Uh, the athletic was nice enough to have basically as soon as the news happened, like rosters on hand for who they think is going to be on all the, all the biggest teams that are the teams that are mostly NHL players. So we, we had wanted to, we had some disagreements too, just to preface and say, we, we didn't agree with everything. Uh, all the selections for the most part, they were all pretty spot on, but there was some surprising omissions. Yeah. Well, for starters, the, Connor McDavid on the first line in Canada. I don't know. I don't know if he has it. I don't think I cannot he has believe that fringe player Nathan McKinnon made the squad. I really thought he would maybe be like an extra forward or something, but I, I don't get it. Now I am looking now. And this is kind of interesting because they're going to move McKinnon to the wing and they're going to move Berger onto the wing. There are really a lot of good Canadian centers. Yeah. And down the middle, they're going to go make David Crosby point and O'Reilly and Shifley as a, Shifley and Couturier's leftover uh, forwards, but that's interesting. Pretty decent, yeah. Now, it would be rude if I pointed out there are more former Sabres on these teams than current Sabres by quite a bit. Um, factually correct, yes. Rude, yeah, probably a little bit, I would say. <laughs> All right, so like the team that I guess should we start with Canada? I mean, we yeah, why not? About them. Why not? So. They have it as uh, I already listed the centers, but McDavid will be centering Huberto and McKinnon on the first line. Is interesting. Huberto, uh, pretty big year the last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they have Crosby centering Marchand and Bergeron, which is the first line at the 2016. What is that called? The World Cup. World, <laughs> the World, uh, Cup, of World Cup of Hockey, I believe it was. Yeah, right? that was a very good first line they had together. It's basically replacing. The Lion Boston, except no more David Pasternak instead you have Crosby. This is a nice upgrade. Um, and then Braden Point is centering Matthew Barzell and Mark Stone. Both great players. Pretty good line. And our old friend Ryan O'Reilly is centering Mitch Marner and John Tavares. Yeah, that's a decent fourth line, I'd say. Yeah, in the middle of two Leafs there. And Couturier and Shifley, like I said, are the leftover ones. Uh, and then defense... Not as good as the forwards, but still solid. I thought this was interesting. So, Kale McCarr is the obvious example to be on the first line, for first pairing, excuse me. But he's paired up with Jacob Chikrin. I like it. I mean, Chikrin That's interesting. Is, yeah, he has his, his profile and stock has grown exponentially over the past couple of years, and he's really emerged as a standout top-tier defenseman in this league. I mean, like – imagine if the Sabres could have had the chance to have a guy like that on their roster. Wouldn't that be something folks? Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't yeah. it? Wouldn't uh, it? <laughs> maybe they could take like the worst brother of, uh, you know, of a, of a two brother duo. Cause like with the Reinhardt one, they made out, you know, well, they got the good brother, but I think they wanted to bring balance to the Sabres universe and take the bad brother in a family. Right. And I mean, thankfully for us, they totally did not ruin the Reinhardt situation too. You know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So basically instead of Chikrin, we have Yoki Haru. Uh, I would take Chikrin over him 
Angelina McAvoy was there too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else there that we could have taken? Keep going and I'll tell you in like two seconds. (laughs) All right, so I think what they're doing is they're doing the thing where they have their best defenseman on different pairings, so they always have or almost always have one on the ice because I would say probably Pietrangelo would be there, you know. He's a veteran. He's a Stanley Cup winner. Makes a lot of money. He's like 31, 32. He's paired up with Shea Theodore, another young guy. Yep, love Shea Theodore. Very, very good. Yeah, and do they do they play together in Vegas? Who's that? Um, Angelo and Theodore. Are they in the same? They might have been. They. I, I don't know that off the top of my head, but I think they might have. Also, just to uh, throw this out there, um, you know, it's a good thing that the Sabers took Alex Nylander because the the glaring omission that we both forgot. Thank God. Thank God we didn't end up taking two-time Stanley Cup champion Mikhail Sergachev. I mean, heaven forbid. Well, heaven forbid we took Sergachev, McAvoy, or Chekrin instead of Alex Nylander. Gosh. Yeesh. Dodged a bullet there. I would be more mad, though, if they took Sergachev and traded them like like Montreal did. Well, yeah, that clearly didn't work out. Wasn't it well. Wasn't that Sergachev for Druin? It was. <sighs> That's going to be a uh, yikes from me. Yeah. Good Lord. All right. Third pairing, Aaron Ekblad and Adam Pellick. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a really good third pairing. I mean, Ekblad has like really, you know, I think last season prior to his injury, he really started to kind of live up to being a, a, like a first overall pick. Like, obviously he's always been solid. Um, definitely had some ups and downs throughout his career, but he was like bona fide, legit, top end number one defenseman contributing significantly both in the offensive and defensive zone last season. And Pelic has kind of emerged as, you know, I feel like everybody compares like modern defensive defenseman to like Nicholas Yarmelson, but like, that's what he is. Like he is just a steady, really, really productive, like defensive defenseman. So that's a really, really nice third pair for them. And this is where I have a disagreement with that, this list. And I don't, maybe, maybe team Canada feels this way too. Their extra defensemen are Morgan Riley and Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. Dougie I think Hamilton I'd rather see in the top six. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know weirdly he's, he has a problem or teams have a problem with him a lot of the time, but I think, yeah, I would have Dougie in the top six there. Like, like you said, I mean, like it's good to have a diversity of different guys, like Pellet being a defensive guy. Oh, I'd have rather have Dougie Hamilton, Aaron Ekblad at this point. I mean, Hamilton's one of the best all around defenseman, even in the league, yeah. but you know, great. Uh, offensive defenseman as well now now that we talked about the good parts of Canada's team let's get to their potential downfall in that um so they have Carey Price as a starter which is interesting because he took over in 2010 when Brodeur was pooping the bed and I believe started every game in 2014 when they won gold and only allowed like three goals the entire time so he's still there and we just saw what he can do when he's uh when he gets hot in the playoffs mm-hmm. the past two years. However, we've also seen in the regular season over the past few years, what happens when he's not getting hot <clears throat> and it's not great. He's going to be, I believe 35 years old or 34, probably 35 uh, when the Olympics start. Yeah. Just send him to a retirement home. Well, speaking of backup goalie, Mark Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. Old <laughs> to oh, say bet. the least. Well bet. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's even older. He's 37 or so. And then their third goalie, who I think is just the epitome of shaky, is Jordan Bennington, who is was the main reason this past year that the blues were not good. 
Well, and I would say too, and they point this out in the article, but in thinking about it, really the only two other guys who would make sense is if you're trying to go for like a youth thing, but they haven't proved themselves quite yet is Mackenzie Blackwood and Carter Hart. We talked a a pretty good amount about how rough uh, Carter Hart's season was last year. And so um, I have a hard time thinking, barring like Philly just coming out of the gate and like crushing it this year that they're going to trust him with being like the third goalie in this instance. Um, So I guess I get that in that sense, but like, that is a good thing for team USA, at least that we're talking about, you know, Jordan Bennington potentially having to play some games. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, if we're going to beat them, it's going to be on goaltending. They will have a better uh, forward core at the very least. So we'll, we'll do, we'll save team USA for last. Uh, moving on to Sweden here, and Sweden is an interesting team. I mean, they've won gold, um, well, yeah, more recently than the U.S., significantly more recently. They won it in 2006. Mm-hmm. They just lost their uh, star netminder to retirement, but still a lot to like here. Uh, the first line is being centered by Mika Zibanejad, and the wings are the Eliases, Elias Lindholm and Elias Pedersen. It's a nice first line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Pedersen, I assume he'll have a big bounce back here this year if he's healthy. Second line, a little bit more experienced. Uh, it's Nick Backstrom centering Gabriel Landeskog and the good Nylander that we referenced earlier, William. Yeah. A, well, Nylander's young, but I mean, like, that's that's a good veteran line. Absolutely, yeah. And then another, another solid line, Joel Erickson X centering Philip Forsberg and Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, Erickson Egg really had his coming out party this year. I mean, people did he end up getting uh Selkie votes? I, what, what, didn't he get a couple? Like he oh, was maybe. pretty fantastic this year, stepping up for that Minnesota team. Um, and then yeah, I mean, you know, Philip Forsberg is as Philip Forsberg, like he remains solid when he's able to stay healthy. And Patrick Hornquist is uh, just kind of old. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, he had a Stanley Cup winning goal at one point. Yep. Um, the fourth line, William Carlson, centering Andre Burakovsky and Victor Arvidsson. Yeah, Arvidsson now traded to L.A., uh, looking to have a bounce back year for them after a pretty disappointing past couple of years, really, with Nashville that were plagued by injury. So should be interesting to see with the the fresh faces over in LA if he's going to be able to to get back on track here but um you know I mean still that's a that's a pretty nice fourth line Burkowski you know I feel like but when he was getting ready to leave the Capitals everybody who was pretty smart about hockey and in the analytics community was saying pick this guy up he's going to be cheap and he can make a big difference for you and that's exactly what he ended up doing for Colorado they got him for relatively cheap and he was a pretty productive middle six winger for them for sure, yeah. They have the extra forwards as Michael Backlund and Kelly Yarncrock. Fair enough. Yarncrock, yeah. a uh, the first Seattle player we've mentioned, I believe. Yeah, yep. And then, oh, sorry about that, folks. That was my alarm. Um, the defense, very, very good first pair. Very, very strong first pair here. Pretty Victor decent. Hedman. Yes, Victor Hedman and John Klingberg. What more do you need to say about that? I mean – you know, Klingberg, I think, even though he is like a, a pretty common name, you know, he flies under the radar a bit. I 
if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't know if his play is necessarily tapered off, but he, I think last year definitely flew a little bit more under the radar than, than prior years. And what do you, what can you say about Hedman? I mean, he's the best defenseman in the NHL, like full stop. Yep. Uh, and then you have Matthias Ekholm and Eric Carlson. That's something because Eric Carlson was like horrific last year. Yeah. It sucks that he really has not been the same player since the injuries and he has a big old contract in San Jose that they're going to be dealing with for the next six years. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there, I guess. But I mean, you know, those are two players whose style of play, you know, for what it is on the surface complements each other very well. So should be interesting. I mean, that could definitely end up being a hole for them. Like if Carlson kind of continues this downward trajectory, but Ekholm is a solid two-way defenseman. So that should be an interesting pairing. Yeah. And I mean, I was someone I'm sure you were too that thought Carlson deserved at least one more Norris. Uh, yeah. The way he played in Ottawa, he was fantastic. And his 2017 playoffs is one of the best performances I've ever seen. That was like LeBron James esque that playoff run. Yeah. And yeah, his foot is really not the same. And it's to the point where like some, some advanced stats would tell you that he was the worst defenseman in the NHL last year or the least valuable. So obviously he's not, he's not worse than someone like Matt Irwin, but the point of that is Carlson plays so much that his negative attributes and his negative play has a stronger negative effect on his value, which means that like, he's the least valuable defenseman, right? Like worse than Ristolainen last year. And like you said, his contract, he has the worst contract in the league. He has a worse contract than Jeff Skinner. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. And the, the really bad part for San Jose is that basically the same thing happened to Burns and also Vlasic within a couple of years. It's yep. tough times out there. Yeah, you could say so. So with that being said, San Jose, we will gladly take Thomas Hurdle off your hands. That's right. Hurdle Avenue, um, baby. Um, and then the, the third pairing is Jonas Brodin and Hampus Lindholm. Competent. Mm-hmm. And look at this here. In the extra defenseman, we have Oliver Ekman Larson and Yikes. our old friend Rasmus Dahlin. Love to see it. One of probably two put maybe even more likely one saber that will will be on this uh in the olympics next year but i think i mean darlene is kind of at the point here where there's a lot of opportunity for him to move up you know we just talked about carlson there i mean at home he's gonna make he's definitely gonna be in the top six um brodine and lindholm are solid but you know what they are like yes they are definitely like you said competent solid defenseman but Darlene has a big opportunity that if he steps up and he gets back to you know being on like a 40 or 50 point pace that he could find himself absolutely playing in the top six and getting those minutes yeah for sure if he plays up to his potential I mean by 2026 he should be their number one defenseman yeah we'll see how that goes all right their goaltenders also interesting because they have their starter is Jacob Markstrom who was great two years ago but was not really good at all last year and then a couple of old pals. That's right. Our old friends, Robin Leonard and Linus Allmark. So like I said, a lot of former savers. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's, uh, let's move well, on. Cause this next roster but, is pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. Real quick though. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The way things are right now, Leonard should be the starter, but agreed. We will see. All right. Uh, so Russia always interesting. My favorite kind of thing is the, the Russian deal where they have a ton of incredible forwards and, good goalies and then just no defensemen just no for no reason but that always is their uh their case but i would say that their defensive uh 
outlook is stronger this year than it has been in the past. No, no number one defenseman, Dmitry Orlov this time. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit better this time around. Yeah, so we'll start with the first line, uh, Evgeny Melkin centering Artemi Panarin and Nikita Kucherov. So that is, I believe, Melkin won one MVP, Kucherov won one MVP, and Panarin probably should have won MVP two years ago. Definitely should have won two years ago. Firmly so that's – that. Yeah. That's, that's a nice line. first line. <laughs> <laughs> um, next line is interesting. It's Artem Anisimov, who's not in the NHL, centering Ovechkin and Alex Radulov. Yeah, this is where you start to see some of the issues with this this team. Um, down the middle, their center depth is not there. They have really good wingers, but outside of Malkin, you know, they are very wing heavy. So that could end up being a huge issue for them, especially with those matchups when you look at Canada and even Team USA too for the, the center depth that they have down the middle. It's not great, yeah. Honestly, they're, I'm looking at this now. Their forward depth is a lot worse than it was a couple of years ago. Kind of take back what I said now. Maybe it's flipping a little bit to the defensive side. Mm-hmm. Anyway, third line, Vladimir Nemestikov centering Pavel Buchnevich and Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, Kaprizov, I think, could has him and, you know, the guy we'll be talking about on the left wing of the fourth line. They definitely have the best chance to move up and take Radulov's spot uh, on that second line wing role. But, I mean, you know, you, you, Nemestikov obviously is, is not exactly great, but... Kaprizov and Buchnevis on his flanks are pretty solid. Buchnevis really had his coming out party last year, and um, we know what Kaprizov is, so that could end up being a fun line. Right, and uh, this I got to be honest, I don't know who this fourth line forward is, fourth line center. It's Vladislav Kamenov, not oh, in the NHL. Be. I assume that's a KHL guy, but he's centering uh, Valery Nachushkin, former top 10 pick, and Andrei Svechnikov. Oh, yeah. Second overall pick. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing, you know, at the very least, they may not have the center depth, but on every line, they have a play driving winger. So that could end up helping them. But again, I mean, you're going to need your centers to really step up when we're talking about playing against Canada and USA. Yeah, and their extra forwards are Tarasenko, who, I mean, I don't know, he, he might still be hurt. I don't. I have no idea what's going on with him. And yeah. another not NHL guy, um, Vadim Ship, Ship, Shipikov, uh, I think, wasn't he on Vegas briefly? I, he, yes, yes, he was. Yeah, I kind of recognize that. All right, and then their defense, somewhat improved, but still, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired. Sergachev with uh, Vladislav Gar- Garnikov, uh, a Columbus Blue Jacket that I'm not super familiar with. Gavrikov, <laughs> um, I believe, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, and then Ivan Provorov. Very good defenseman with Artem Zub. 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 Yeah, he's a uh, an Ottawa senator. And then Dmitry Olov is here, no longer the first line guy, with our old friend Nikita, Zd- Nikita Zadorov. Oh yeah. And then, flame. Yeah, he's he's bouncing around. We have a fourth pairing of Alex Romanov and Nikita Nesterov. Nesterov was an NHL player at one point, but it appears he's not on the team right now. Yeah, and Romanov is a good young defenseman. So, I mean, definitely not as dire as, you know, like you had said, having Dmitry Orlov be your number one, but um, that might end up being okay because, transition, they have the best goalie in the world on their team. Ooh, how dare you? How dare you, sir? Who, who is? We're going to talk about the best goalie in the world pretty soon. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'll give you a hint. He doesn't play over there, pal. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, but yeah, Veselovsky's great. Like, he's been in uh, the Vesna voting five years in a row, two cups, gigantic equipment, very intimidating, solid. Not necessarily the reason Tampa wins, but never the reason they lose. So they're, they're set up pretty well because if he gets yeah. hurt, they also have Semyon Varlamov and young guy Igor Shosturkin. Yeah, Shosturkin uh, is probably going to be the – I mean, that's the thing, though. I can't even say that because Veselovsky is still so young. So Shosturkin, you know, while he is a big up-and-comer, he very well may never even see the ice. <laughs> yeah. I thought. Well, he's going to – I thought you were going to say he's going to take over as a starter in New York. But oh, well, that, I mean, has already happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah. true, yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot this season happened, and mm-hmm. Lundquist wasn't there. Oh, that's bizarre. Strange. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it for that team. Uh, All right. I think they're fine, but. Moving on to our Finnish pals. Yeah, this is this is a uh, an interesting group of people. You don't think of Finland a lot, I think, but, you know, Finland, they have played in a gold medal game more recently than us, haven't they? Mm. No, 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 that was 06. We did in 2010. Or wait, did they oh. in 2014? They, I thought, yeah, I think you're, wait, let me see here. Go ahead though. Yeah. And when I talk about this, I'm, I'm assuming the 2018 Olympics don't count because, you know, Brian Gianta was there. Come on. Yeah. No, we, uh, we don't recognize that. Uh, Finland has a, a really surprisingly good forward core. Uh, they, their first line center is Alex Barkov who's centering Mikhail Granlund and Miko Rantanen. Now did Barkov win the Selkie this year? He's, he's been a perennial Selkie uh, vote getter recently. So Branton and great Granlund also very solid. It was actually Barkov. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. All right. And so did, did Finland lose to Canada in 20? No, Sweden lost to Canada, but Finland beat team USA in the bronze medal game. Yep. I remember that. I remember that now. Uh, second line though, and this is this is going to be a very interesting line because Sebastian Aho playing with his regular line mate Tuvo Teravainen, and also uh, Fortnite legend Patrick Line. I love the craziness of that line, the potential craziness. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that if that does end up being a line. Yeah, I mean Line, he's really only good at one thing, and he hasn't been that good at that in the NHL recently. Mm-hmm. But maybe you know, with uh, some of his fellow countrymen, he can get that spark back and start scoring goals again. Yeah. Another interesting young line on the third one is Rue Pince with Jonas Donskoy and Kasperi Kapanen. That's a future NHL Hall of Famer Rue Pince to you, Taylor. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a, that's a deep cut for anybody who's been listening this season. If you got that reference, kudos to you. Yeah, Rue Pince sent um, – his mom sent Brennan a fruit basket for that lovely compliment. <laughs> That made to them. I will stand by the fact that my argument does make sense in the fact that he is a very high skilled player that also Dallas is aging and does not have many good center prospects or like upcoming centers or just young players in general, with the exception of like Robertson and maybe a couple other guys. But I'm just saying that's how guys end up getting in the hall of fame. If they play on underperforming teams, but they're standout guys who just rack up points. We will see. We will see. I don't, I don't necessarily, if you, if I was a betting man, I would not bet that, but if the question was posed, the question was posed, who could possibly, possibly, and I brought him up. So that is all. But anyways, 
Yeah, I mean, I brought up Keith Yandel. I don't think that's happening. Well, see, there you go. Uh, Donskoy is a Kraken, so they're now officially more Kraken, we've mentioned, than Sabres, current Sabres at least. And then we got a fourth pairing of Eric Halla, Jesse Puyarvi, former fourth overall pick, and another old friend, Joel Armia. Wow. Extra defenseman, uh, Jesperi Kotakiemi. He's been in the news recently. Yeah. And... Uh, Eel Tovenin. Yep. From Nashville. Round pick. Actually, on Kotakiemi, too. Um, I know we had talked about this a couple of episodes ago and kind of we're just like weighing back and forth, but Montreal, I think, pretty clearly made the right choice there. I mean, I know one of the things that we had talked about and brought up is like the potential of like, yeah, you're paying him a lot, but you know, you're going after that guy for a reason. And even though you are paying him probably well above, not probably definitely well above his market value, you're hoping that at least paying him that extra money and having that cap flexibility, he fills the role that you want for them. With that being said though, a first and a third, I mean, that's probably a no brainer in that instance. So I would say good call on Montreal on that. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> here's where the problems start for Finland. Oh, and first pairing my veins. Miro Heiskanen and Rasmus Ristolainen. Ooh. I don't know. So Heiskanen was really good two years ago when they went to the cup and had a big Rasmus Dahlin-esque uh, fallback of a mm. season. Not good. Rasmus Ristolainen. I don't know if we've opined on him before on this podcast. I don't think we've ever really talked about him very much. No. no, and let's keep it up. I don't, I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about him. Good. Well, on the bright side, though, we are now tied with the Kraken after this next pairing for uh, current players in the Olympics. That's right. Henry Yoki Haru paired with Esther Lindell. Hell yeah. Another star, a, th- a third Finnish star. Oh, yes. Uh, I hadn't even really considered Yoki Haru, but that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Looking They're a little this- bit thin on D for sure. Yes, because their third pairing is the aging Sammy Vatanen and Yuso Valimaki of Calgary. I got to be honest, Calgary is a pretty pretty big blind spot for me these days. Especially yeah, okay. after Younger fake defenseman. season. Yeah. Uh, and then their extra defensemen, Miko Lettinen and Yanni Hakenpi. Good. So that's something. <laughs> uh they are kind of solid, at least with their first goaltender, a guy who had one of the one of the better goaltending seasons this year. UC Saros is taking over for uh, Pekka Rene in Nashville. He's really good. So, I mean, if he's on his game and he's healthy, they'll be in good shape. They also have uh, Antti Ronsa to fall back on, who good backup goalie in the NHL. And then their third goalie is Kevin Lankinen. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully Ranta or Saros is healthy for them. What are your, what are your thoughts overall on this uh, finished team? I was just going to say too, one of the things that I think is a, a potential switch up, at least in net for them. I mean, Saros is clearly going to be the starter, but with that being said, you know, I was a little bit surprised that uh Capo Kakinen from Minnesota wasn't there when he had a really, really solid rookie year last year for the wild. So I think. That's right. The other yeah. Capo Kako. Yeah. So I was thinking, I mean, you know, Lincoln, Definitely was, even though Chicago underperformed, he played pretty well for the most part. And Ranta, I mean, there's a lot of questions about his, with his injury history. So in either way, I think regardless of that, I mean, 
Kakinen, we'll see how Minnesota does this year, but he looked pretty promising last year. So, I mean, otherwise though, it's a good roster. Like it's definitely solid. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the defense definitely can end up holding them back, even though Saros is, you know, kind of, everybody was kind of waiting for him to have his breakout. And then he had it last year a bit. Um, still, you know, we'll see what happens this year with them and they're, the forwards, I mean, they have some some good forwards there, but again, they aren't as as deep, I would say, compared to some of their counterparts. Yes. Do, should we move on to the, the the future gold medal winners? You mean the Ryan Miller coached Team USA? That's right. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's do it. You want to dive in? Yeah. Well, first line here, we have probably the best goal scorer in the world, unfortunately, centering the first line, his name's Austin Matthews, and it'll be good for him to finally have some success in a, what could be considered like a postseason tournament. Yeah. Finally win hardware of some kind. He'll be centering Patrick Kane and Max Pacioretty. So that's good. I mean, that's yeah. definitely veterans on the wing. Both those guys were around the last time NHL players were at the Olympics. Kane's been at two Olympics now, I believe. Right. So that's, I mean, that's, that's good. That, a good mix I of think, skill sets too. Kane and Matthews together, I think, could be really dangerous. And I mean, Pacioretty is Pacioretty. Like he's a really solid two-way guy. And we've seen, you know, with Vegas, if you put him with higher end guys, he's gonna he's gonna come through for you. Now, a hallmark of the rest of this team, though, will be new faces, guys yes. that were not there last time, which is really good. Yes, definitely. Uh, and guys who weren't really around in 2016 when the the fake World Cup happened. So next line, Jack Eichel. Maybe Saber, probably not in February. Almost certainly not in February. Likely not. Centering Matthew Kachuk and Alex DeBrinket. That's mm-hmm. good. That's a good one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Eichel should probably, hopefully, be healthy by then. Um, Kachuk, excellent play driving winger. And you have, again, DeBrinket, who's a great finisher. So it's, again, you kind of have that nice mix on these lines where it's like you have your your steady two-way guy, you have a elite distributor, and then you have a solid, like, like a high-end goal scorer. So it's, it's a good mix. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. We have one more veteran here, Joe, Joe Pavelski, uh, mm-hmm. with JT Miller and Brady Kachuk. Yeah. I have a feeling that Pavelski is going to end up being the fourth line center, just because I think when it comes down to it, I mean, he is getting older and not to, you know, give any spoilers, but like, I think Dylan Larkin's going to end up pretty handedly taking over that third line center spot. Um, but also you have the flexibility of JT Miller potentially playing center too. Um, you know, we'll talk about the, the one kind of glaring omission there who seems like he would have been an ideal fit for this third line, but um yeah i mean I, th- this is still really solid like even though pavelski is getting older and is on the other side of 30 right now he is still damn good and damn productive so yeah also you know maybe consider playing the kachucks together yeah that's absolutely that could absolutely happen they're on opposite wings so mm-hmm. uh yeah so like you said larkin they have in the fourth line centering jake gensel and brian rust yeah, that one I don't get. We'll just get into the omission right now. I don't know how you can conceivably put Brian Rust on this roster over Kyle Connor. Like, I don't care who is creating this. Kyle Connor is going to be on Team USA next year, undeniably. And I, Brian Rust, I wouldn't even have considered for one of the extra spots, too, for what it's worth. So definitely disagree there. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Gensel is someone who's really stepped up in the past couple of years. So, like, I'm excited for him to be there. He's 
He's ex- like he's exciting. He's good, independent of Crosby. Rust, eh, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Kyle Connor's really, uh, he's good. I mean, he, he's not. It's not like he's twenty one years old either. Like he's been around for a few years, and it's weird because the extra guys they have now are Johnny Gaudreau and Brock Nelson. I would have told you two years ago, Johnny Gaudreau could play in the first line. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what happened to him, but. Well, I'm, I, Calgary happened to him, but, you know, I guess we can also wait and see too, because who knows if he ends up having a bounce back year, maybe that ends up catapulting him, uh, you know, into the top 12. Um, I, I do quickly want to talk about some of the, the emissions that they, uh, they had left off there as well that I thought were again, you know, pretty interesting. Um, at least maybe for Brock Nelson's sake. I mean, he's definitely like a solid veteran presence on the team, but I think the biggest wild card coming into this year is going to be Jack Hughes because the center depth, like they have a couple of the best centers in the NHL, quite frankly, and Eichel and Matthews Larkin is, is really, really solid. Again, Pavelski certainly hasn't fallen off a cliff for his age and is still a productive center. But I mean, Hughes one way or another is going to be on this team in 2026. So Really, for me, it's going to be, is he going to take this step this year? And is he going to end up catapulting himself into getting onto this team? I think it's a very good possibility. I think he looked a lot better last year than he did in his rookie season. And so I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to step up to with the reinforcements that New Jersey has brought in. You know, they still have some question marks in goal, but can Hughes really take that next step this year and end up putting himself in a position where he's firmly going to make this team? I hope so because he's going to be there regardless. And so I would love it if out of nowhere, one of like the younger, you know, national develop former national development team players who are on like those gold medal teams are able to step up and, and really make it, make them make a tough decision. Um, I think, Caulfield and Zegris are, are a bit off and they seem more likely for 2026. I, I think that they just don't have the body of work yet, but Hughes is in a position where I think he can end up doing that. And so I will hope I'm, I'm very exciting, excited to see um, how he ends up performing this year. Cause I really want him to make this team. 2026. We could have three Hugheses and two Kachucks. Crazy. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, I also take Kyle Connor over Brock Nelson for what it's worth, but I mean, he's an extra forward. So. Well, also too, they left out Brock Besser, who I think is a very high possibility. And oh, yeah. we're talking about an aging veteran here, but still productive in the same vein as, as Pavelski, Blake Wheeler. That's a good point. I hadn't really considered Blake Wheeler. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Most so it should be interesting about. to see. Yeah. Besser, uh, Blake Wheeler and, and Jack Hughes, I think. And obvi- I mean, Kyle Connor, obviously those are the ones that I think can really be breakthrough players. So hopefully we'll, you know, we'll see what happens, but the defense though, for team USA, not yeah. shabby. Yes. Very good. Much improved. It's uh, so we have reigning Norris trophy winner, Adam Fox. Uh, on the oh, first yeah. pairing next to Ryan McDonough, good veteran, been, been here for a while won two cups now played another cup with New York kind of underrated at this point flies under the radar. Cause he's not headman, but he's like a really good, been a good defenseman for a decade plus now. Yeah, definitely. Second pairing, Charlie McAvoy, non-saber mm-hmm. against Jacob Slavin, who I always forget is American. He is. I mean, that's a really nice second pair. And you want to talk about guys whose strengths very well offset each other. I mean, for me, Slavin is the kind of guy that could end up maybe even playing on that first pair with, with Adam Fox, if we're being honest. Um, I mean, he is, you know, the secret's been out on him for the past couple of years. Now he is undeniably one of the best two-way defensemen in the game. Um, 
So I'm, I'm a big fan of that pair. And McAvoy, of course, we had, we had talked about. He's not a Buffalo Sabre, but very, very good, which makes sense. For sure. Again, is not a Buffalo Sabre. Um, third pairing, Seth Jones and John Carlson. Now, that's an interesting pair. Seth Jones did not have a good year last year um, on a bad team with an insane coach. Uh, he might have been upset about some some other things going on in the world. Maybe. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens now because yeah. he hasn't been he was not like that bad usually. And he's like 25. He should should not be falling off a cliff like this. John Carlson. Carlson's the best offensive defenseman probably in the league right now. At least he scores the most points. So uh, I would say probably Makar personally, but judging by yeah. like two years ago. But either way, though, yeah, that's true. I will say this about them. I agree that like Seth Jones, I mean, it's, it's clear as day that he's kind of fallen off a cliff. However, I will say though, that I think that him not being called on to be the number one defenseman for a team and being paired with a guy like Carlson, I think could end up being okay. And he'll be, he'll be fine. I think. However, with that being said though, their extras for team USA very well could overtake his spot and end up, uh, end up playing there. So I don't know if you want to get into those guys. Yeah. The, uh, the two extra defensemen are Quinn Hughes and Jeff Petrie. Petrie is, a uh, he's been around a while and I think people he's either getting better or he's starting to get more recognition. Yeah. He was an Edmonton guy for a while. They really, really like kind of dumb trade. They traded him for like a second round pick. Just like, come on, Edmonton. You're like us. You know, you're not doing anything with that second round pick. Absolutely not. And he's been great for Montreal. He was great in the playoffs this year and he's a really steady guy. So he's someone they, they might like to have around Quinn Hughes did not have a good year last year, but had a great year two years ago. Like, I think a lot of these guys probably just had a bad year because of the season being so weird. He also, I think Quinn Hughes just has like way too much talent to not figure it out. Like just his skating ability. That's why I think he very well could have. I mean, if he just gets back on track this year, I think he would could handedly take over that spot from Seth Jones. His skating is just such an asset. And when we're talking about like the larger ice like that, the skating combined with his, his abilities with the puck on his stick, you know, we'll see what happens, but he's the kind of guy that is exactly what you would need um, for this team. So I, I'm curious to see how that ends up playing out. Yeah. Uh, they left off Zach Wierenski and Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter was at the, uh, the last couple Olympics. Yeah. I think Suter's probably done. I personally am a big fan of Wierenski. So I would love it if he ends up making the team. Uh, I think he very well could too. I mean, he's going to be the guy now in Columbus. I mean, he kind of already was a bit, but now that Jones is gone, he is like the unquestioned number one defenseman for them. So I, w- I would love it if he's able to, to make the squad. Cause I'm, I'm a big Zach Wierenski believer. And so let's move on to goaltending first, before we get to, our top goaltender. I looked at this real quick, uh, like yesterday, I think. And I saw a Anaheim Ducks goalie, black hair, kind of thin face. And I was like, oh my God, are they projecting Ryan Miller to come back? (laughs) No, that's backup goalie, John Gibson. And they have third goalie is Thatcher Demko. And folks, the starting goalie is the best goalie in the world. Connor Hellebuck. Finally playing on a good team again. A wow. team that he doesn't have to carry. Wow. Hallibuck over Vasilevsky, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I have I, him one, two. I, I think they, they're one, two for me. Probably, I'm assuming, just reversed for you. Yes. I would, I would, I'd like to look at their, um, 
respective gold saved above average. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, because Veselevsky, like, he, the reason I think he's, well, the reason he's overrated is because every goalie, you know, the same reason any goalie on a winning team is overrated or any, any player on a winning team, frankly. But the reason he can be, I think, might be underrated by some people who just kind of look at it the way I do, like, that team's so good. How, how can a goalie not have a good save percentage? Is they weren't actually that good for a lot of this year. Kucherov didn't play. Not that good. They weren't, like, world-beating great. Kucherov didn't play the entire season, very famously. And Victor Hedman was playing hurt most of the year, so he was not himself. So they weren't really, like, you know, the lightning that you saw in the playoffs in a lot of the regular season. And they kind of got, you know, in some ways, he was he was like, all right, this is an actual backstop. Now, if, if you guys aren't good, I can still put up, like, a 925, and everything will be fine. Yep. So he he is legitimately great. The difference with Hellebuck, I think, is you said earlier Panarin should have definitely won MVP in 2019-20. And I think he I think he would be my number one choice that year. But Hellebuck, man, he really could have. That Winnipeg team was atrocious. And they were on pace to make the actual NHL playoffs. And it's because of him. Like they suddenly couldn't score, but they became a team that had to stop, you know, basically not allow goals. Their team, you know, wins low scoring games. However, however, we might all remember this. They lost their top four defensemen. They're just all gone. And they were playing like Dmitry Kulikov in the first pairing. And they still, they were still a really low scoring team because he hey, just what's wrong with everything. Kulikov, man. Oh, he, uh, yeah. He, uh, he has a, a really bad cold. <laughs> and he's dealing with it, but it's like, you know, just so many boogers and you know that gets frustrating cold having a cold in the summer is no good we don't love to see that we don't yeah but anyway i'm really excited for hellebuck to uh to finally play for team usa he's great yeah definitely we obviously as a Sabres fan i appreciate a good goalie carrying a team uh to higher heights than it should go to yeah so that's the olympics folks that those are the main main teams you'll have to focus on for the Olympics. Yeah, and I think once we, I mean, this goes without saying, but like once we get closer to the actual games, we'll definitely be doing our own roster projections too, which I'm very much looking forward to for you and I to kind of take a crack at it and see how ours match up compared to each other. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah and uh, people say somewhere out there, you know, especially on a quiet night, you can hear Jochen Hesch still playing for Team Germany. Oh, God. Jochen. Listen closely enough. We love you underappreciated king all right so as, as long as russia is going to have these khl guys in their team shouldn't they have a fennec off i i mean yeah probably <laughs> put him out some, there or maybe make him a coach he seems like a i like that coach. make him a player coach even better yeah well uh some other news uh that came today from another one of our old friends the texans named tyrod taylor their starting quarterback let's go let's go tyrod yeah for a trash organization but we love Tyrod. Yeah, he. Uh, this definitely isn't a good situation for him, but he's going to get to play. And I don't think it was ever clear if he was going to ever be able to be a starter again mm-hmm. after he was, you know, almost murdered last year. Um, was not nice. Not- yeah, he's had. Yeah, he's had a tough run of it, I would say. But he's still around. He's still in the NFL. Uh, Ten plus years after getting drafted. Yeah, so good, good for, for him. him. Good for yeah. him. I go, hope, uh, go hope, yeah, I hope he has success, but, uh, you know, he won't because no. the, the team's terrible, yep. but yeah, so it's, uh, 
good to hear from him. We should maybe do a little bit of Bills talk on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm into that. Let's do it. We could do a little season preview. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any uh, Bills. Yeah, my season preview is they go 15 and two and win the Super Bowl. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's been our episode <laughs> for Wednesday too, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, any last thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off, Taylor? Um, hmm. I have one actually. Shang-Chi was good. Never heard of it. Um, Unbelievable. We walked out of the movie theater on Friday night, everybody, after seeing Shang-Chi. And I literally looked at Taylor and his wonderful girlfriend, Carrie, and said, damn, I thought that was pretty good. And Taylor, oh, you said super good. For Okay, fine. Super good. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. And Taylor goes, ah, oh, you know, I thought that was pretty fucking terrible. I, something like that. Something along those lines. And uh, you're wrong. It's a, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous conclusion to come from. And I did not like your argument that it was essentially the same, like, formula. But it's like it's an origin story. What do you expect? It introduced a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new like worlds and cultures, new potential mythical beings and whatnot. And also the action I thought was really good. And I thought that the fighting scenes were also really good with like the different style of combat. I I mean, yeah, I I thought it was pretty solid and some good performances in there too. I know you're a, you're a huge Aquafina fan, but otherwise (laughs) elsewhere in the movie, there was some great, great performances I thought too. So let me let me counter with an anecdote. So back in the fall of 2013, the uh, the Buffalo Bills were playing on Thursday night football against the Browns. Uh, the Browns were really like kind of hot at the time. Is a weird thing, way to put it. Brandon Whedon was there. They're having a great time, and Brian Hoyer was there too. I, I, I don't remember who their starter was actually. Maybe it was Hoyer. Anyway, not important. What's important was the Bills go up. They take an early lead, whoever they're starting quarterback. I think Hoyer was starting and he'd been pretty good. Hoyer gets hurt and they have to put Whedon in. And we have EJ, his rookie year. All right, feeling good. And my friends wanted to go to the movies. And I was like, yeah, sure. And my roommate, Matt Sokloso, has not let me forget this. He was like, you're going to leave? And I was like, yeah, it's over. In like the second quarter, it was like 14 to 6. I don't know why I said it was over. But I was like, yeah, it's over. It's fine. So I go to see Gravity. Uh, a big uh, a big deal at the time and I hated it and I hated more movies back then because I was I was a mean negative person but I really hated gravity and I even flipped off the screen at one point near the end of the movie and I get out of the theater kind of mad that I even wasted my time and money on that and I look at my phone and the bills had lost by like 13 they gave up like 37. Oh, it's terrible. So obviously people were mad at me for saying it was over. But the next, I would say, three to five days, inundated with people uh, in the media. Grantland, I remember specifically, people loved Gravity. Gravity won multiple Oscars. Gravity got nominated for Best Picture. I just felt like an insane person. But also then, like, I doubled down. Like, I'm never going to see Gravity again. And Because, I mean, I feel like I'm on the side of an argument. It's, I'm in too deep. People say it was like visually stunning, I guess. I mean, I thought a lot of the, um, I thought a lot of it was really stupid (laughs) for, I mean, that's, that's, that's the main thing I didn't like. I mean, she's just things that didn't make, like she was on 2% oxygen for like a half hour. It's like, she just died. And also 
I'm just spoiler alert because it's an eight-year-old movie. At the end of Gravity, this lady who doesn't know how to like, she's not an astronaut. She's in space for reasons I don't know. She flies a, I don't know what you'd call it, a ship back to Earth. It's like, all right, well, that's far-fetched, sure. And then she but she crashes in the water. Or lands in the water, I should mm-hmm. say, and almost drowns. And I was like, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, if she drowns after making it back to Earth, that would be kind of an interesting way to end the movie. Maybe I'm wrong. And then she just gets out. She's fine. It's like, yeah, never mind. That wasn't that interesting. So is the moral of the story that even when you go against the grain, you're still wrong? No, it's more that like, that's just the example I thought of. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I thought like if I hated Black Widow, which I didn't, um, I don't, I wouldn't be met with that much resistance. I don't feel like, because it just was kind of, it kind of happened. There was, there was not much fanfare. It didn't make money like most Marvel movies do. But, and the pandemic is weird with all that, but people, there was no real cult of personality behind Black Widow. And I don't, I think a lot of Marvel movies recently, if I hated Spider-Man Far From Home, it probably would have been the same thing. But this one is different because it's not even like people, people performatively hated Captain Marvel. um, Yeah. For obvious reasons. Well, obvious and not obvious, but there's, I don't think there's really that kind of argument behind Shang-Chi for the most part. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. It's still early in the cycle. It's only been out for four or five days. Yeah. But now I look and people really like Shang-Chi like more than most Marvel movies recently. Like more, I don't, this is probably their most, most well-received one early on since Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to think. <laughs> you going to see it again? No. I mean, I, sometimes you, there's a movie that's really good and uh, you don't like it. Or maybe there's a movie that's no, very that's, popular and you just... I'm just kidding. I'm it, just doesn't, kidding. it doesn't work. Yeah. It's just interesting, though. I've been trying to think about why I didn't like... I mean, all the reasons. But, like, I I, uh, I don't know. Because when I come down to most Marvel movies, is they're all in the middle. If they're on Letterboxd, they're pretty much just all three out of five stars. Almost all of them. The exception of, like, the bad early ones, Ragnarok, and Winter Soldier, maybe. Black Panther might be, like, a 3.5. The other ones, you know, they're just are what they are. Like they're competently made. I don't know. It's interesting. All right. Well, it, I don't, and I'm not, I don't let my uh, other feelings about what, what Disney and the MCU have done to movies get in the way of the actual movies, but I'm excited for Sam Raimi. Yeah. That's going to be great. I, I, Dr. Strange is going to be awesome. I'm excited even to see like the Eternals movie and how that's going to come into play. Um, and that's coming out, I think next month. And then, of course, we have Spider-Man at the end of the year, so should be some some good stuff coming up. But I don't everybody, I, I might hate Spider-Man. We'll see. Yeah, I will be so mad if you do. I, I <laughs> you don't even know if it's end, gonna be good yet. Are ending this podcast if you end up hating <laughs> that movie. I might. I haven't even seen it yet, and I'm already gonna tell you that. You know what? What, what was my take on that? Oh, yes, I want to repeat my take on that. What should happen in the multiverse is not just villains coming back and heroes going through. Sam Raimi should come through the multiverse and take over and direct the second half of the movie. That would be pretty amazing if they did. I know he's busy, but like he did make the best superhero movie of the 21st century. I think. Oh, Incredibles. What? Incredible Spider-Man. Yeah. I, I don't think that's that outrageous of an opinion. People love Spider-Man too. I know that they do, but I also think that that I, I definitely, comparatively speaking, I mean, I don't think it's better than The Dark Knight or The Incredibles or 
Well, that's three. I, yeah, I mean, so top three. I mean, The Dark Knight, that's a great example. The Dark Knight, Incredibles, Spider-Man 2, and I, honestly, the original Spider-Man to me is... You don't is think any fantastic. of the Marvel movies are better than Spider-Man 2? Mm, no. No. You don't think Endgame or Infinity War were? Or, no. I mean, the Endgame Win- is I my think top Winter five. Soldier is unbelievable, too. I think Ragnarok is up there. I mean... Ragnarok is my favorite Marvel movie. And Black Winter Panther is probably also. second. Uh, no, I think... I think uh, for a lot of reasons, like the Spider-Man, the first two, and I'm going to leave out Spider-Man three, they have a sense of place. Yeah. They, you really get to get to feel what it's like to live there. So like, there's a lot of thoughts I have on the the, the two Spider-Man movies. I think they understand a give and take of being a superhero and having to keep your identity secret more than, and, you know, it feels like there's a lot more stakes, a lot more uh, consequences. All right, we're going to have an episode where we both rank our top five superhero movies of the 21st century, I think. We should do that before the Saber season starts. All right. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network and all of our fellow shows, a part of the network. Also, make sure you're checking out the sponsor of this show, DraftKings, and using promo code THPN at checkout. We will be back with a new episode on Thursday. We'll see if we have some news by then. But either way, we hope you all have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. 